we rolling? We are now rolling. Yes. Alberta Filmmakers Podcast. <laughs> me, 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 me. Okay, anytime. Hello and welcome to the Alberta Filmmakers Podcast. My name is Matt Waterworth. My name is Scott Westby. How are you, Matt? I'm swell. How are you? I'm so good. Um, so you and I make up a, a company called Full Swing Productions. Yes. And um, every week we bring news. Except for last week. Except for last week. <laughs> every other week except last week. News, tips, interviews, um, grant advice. Mm-hmm. Um, Keep you up to date on what's going on in the industry. And, yeah. and uh, thanks to Briar, we, we were able to collect all of that information and uh, and share it with you every week. So thanks for joining us. Yeah. You know what I'm really excited about um, is that I'm a filmmaker who lives in a province mm. with a film studio. What? A purpose-built studio soundstage facility. Lucky. I am so lucky. It How is- about you? Uh, I, I I am also uh, lucky enough to say that I, I I can I can say the same thing, and uh, yeah, it's awesome. I'm super excited that uh, that I that that's happening, and I, I got to go to the opening on on May 19th, which was super that's fun. Right. And, and you got to walk the red carpet. Yeah, yeah, the red carpet was there. Unfortunately, there was rain outside, so nobody oh. was actually watching me walk the red carpet, which is good. I, <laughs> I, I got to feel the excitement of walking it without all the, the pressure, attention, of- yeah. <laughs> the scrutiny. <laughs> yeah. So, um, how is it? It's so fun. It's so cool. Like uh, as soon as you walk in, uh, on your left is Studio One. On, in front of you, is Studio Two. On your right is Studio Three, and each one is bigger uh, than the last. So, um, of course, William F. White's right next door, right across the parking lot, and you can just grab whatever you need if you're shooting in there. And uh, they had a couple of, uh, you know, White's had some gear set up, some cranes and vehicles and things. Um, and there was a green screen set up as well with like uh, an old timey Western thing and some actors oh, and, and they set up some cameras and then they had a screen showing what the background was being dropped in. And it I was, uh, uh, you know, beautiful mountains in the background. So um, it was, it was very cool. It was, I mean, even with so many people in and around the space, it was, it felt very empty. Which is oh, right. good that's, because that's it's exactly a big space, want, yeah. right? Yeah. So, so yeah, I, I, I unfortunately was late, but I missed and I missed some of the speakers. I know the mayor and uh, and the culture minister both spoke, and they made the announcement that uh, the first production that's going to be in the studio is Tin Star, happening next month, and uh, that's I, I believe a Canadian British co-production uh, TV series. So that's exciting. That is exciting. That's great. And uh, we know that you know Game of Thrones snuck in there before the opening date as well. Um, so that so that that's cool. I'm excited about yeah, that. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's uh, I mean, people do argue that it's small, um, and and I think I would agree, but I think it's it's totally fine. I mean, mm-hmm. we got to start mm-hmm. somewhere, and it's it's better than building, you know, massive massive studio space and then it just sitting empty for sure, uh, and then turning into a shopping mall or something. Later. Yeah, and, and I mean, you look at the productions that are being kind of stolen away from LA, and I think the reason that's happening is because. Uh, is because you've got that mix of quality crew, uh, tax credit, strong tax credit, and a studio. Right. And so now we finally have those three key elements, um, and we have some of the most beautiful landscapes in the world on top of it. So Secret fourth. Element. That's right, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> so, I mean, looking at what New Mexico and Louisiana have been able to do with that combination of things, um, I'm, I'm very optimistic about the future of our industry. So yeah, that's good. I agree. Hopefully yeah. uh, we can get another one built in Edmonton mm-hmm. um, sooner than later. Um yeah, but yeah, it's it's just great news. So congrats um, to yeah, us. that would be nice <laughs> if there was one there as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, quite a few weeks ago, I spoke with a guy named Cody Bound Scott. Who's he? Uh, he's a filmmaker who's currently living in Vancouver, but he's from Fort McMurray, and we had a long conversation on Skype. Um, really good one, and and we were about to share it, and literally as I was getting ready to post it. Uh, the uh, his hometown unfortunately was engulfed in flames, so right. so that was right. maybe uh, not the best time. No, not a good no. time. So uh, so with his permission, we're now ready to to share it with you. And uh, I just want to remind everyone that you can text the word fires to four five six seven eight. I think uh, to uh, you can Google that uh, to donate ten dollars right from your uh, cell phone plan. And uh, yeah. Uh, we did record this on Skype. He was in Vancouver. Uh, so um, pardon any audio hiccups or anything, but it, I think it was okay. And uh, yeah, we, we have... Uh, what was interesting about this conversation is non-traditional filmmaking route. 
Like right. he he's kind of rejected the idea of film schools or 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 even working in the industry to learn it. He's just doing it himself. He's I, I think he's got a day job and then he just funds everything himself and and makes his movies that way. And he's working on a feature film that he did come back to Fort McMurray to shoot. Uh, and I think he's got some more shooting days on it still. So it's kind of in progress, which is cool. Uh, so yeah, without further ado, here is this conversation. Uh, thanks for joining us from Vancouver. Um, how are you? Thanks for being on the show. Uh, my pleasure. I'm doing well. Good. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So uh, you're the first guest that we've ever had who's, I think, I think who's now currently residing in Alberta. Um, and I'm really excited about the perspective, actually, because um, you're certainly still an Alberta filmmaker, uh, no matter where you are, if you're from this province. So uh, originally born in Fort McMurray, right? Correct. Yeah. Awesome. And then, and then, what made you get into filmmaking in the first place? Um, I it was never something that I thought I was going to do when I was a young kid. Um, you know, like any a lot of people my age in Fort McMurray, we were kind of getting geared towards um, working at its site and kind of living that uh, that life, I guess. Right. And. Uh, you know, my, my parents and I used to watch movies. My dad is, is not very like artistic at all, and, or, and my mom is not nearly either. But, right. uh, you know, we would watch movies like Police Academy and Ninja Turtles and Disney movies and stuff like that. And it wasn't until I was um, a little bit older when uh, we'd go down to Roger's Video and rent like seven movies seven day rental for seven dollars right. and all their crazy deals um, this is coming up a lot lately actually this yeah, is, i was gonna say tito had a similar yeah, yeah, yeah. and Cameron uh, McGowan was also talking about this it's a, it's a great kind of build your own film school kind of way of doing it yeah it was a great uh, introduction because you there were so many like weird little films that you could you could take a gamble on for a dollar mm-hmm. and uh me and some of my friends one weekend we uh we went and got a bunch of movies. I couldn't even tell you what else was in the bunch, but um, Gummo was one of the films. Okay. And uh, I was watching it, and for the first time, I think, ever watching a movie, I just thought, I could do this. Mm. And not in the, like it was so bad that I could have made better <laughs> or anything like that, but it wasn't like guns and explosions and James Bonds and things like that. It was just, it felt like a very... It felt real, and it made me feel something. Cool. And, I've uh, never seen it. I've seen the uh, the cover. Um, and it looks very raw. It is, yeah, and it's like super gritty and just. And I, you know, at that moment, it wasn't that wasn't my eureka moment. Um, you know, I had graduated high school and I was going to a college in town, and I actually got put on academic probation uh, because I didn't show up okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah i my very first day of school i had to walk to school and it was like a 40 minute walk in fresh two feet of snow and oh, when yeah. i got the class was canceled <laughs> so i was just like never again right um, and at the time i worked at a mom and pop video store in my neighborhood oh sweet and um i was cleaning the shelves uh, one day and i stumbled on gummo again and that made me like have this eureka moment uh. where you know, I've, I've, since then I've been watching a lot of films and, uh, this maybe is an opportunity for me to explore this. So that night I put together a, uh, an application to a film school here in Vancouver and I sent it off and like three weeks later I got accepted to wow. start two months later. So wow. it was a, it was a whirlwind of decisions. Yeah, that's cool. What, which film school? I went to Vancouver film school. Right. And how was that? Eh, I won't give them any credit for, you know, anything I've done now. Uh, I don't even like mentioning that I went there to be completely honest. <laughs> well, how come? Um, well, like we had three different department heads at the time I went to, or when I was there. So, right. you know, our education wasn't really put first. And um, throughout the year, there's all these new developments that like, oh, if you work with a writing campus, you'll get your film made. And uh, at the time, but we only got six films made in midterm and uh, final projects. Um, or sorry, six six midterms for digital and six for film. Okay. And then um, we were like the class was broken up into maybe it was three and three. I don't know. Either way, uh, you know, when it final projects came along, a lot of really good scripts 
um, didn't get made because we they didn't work with the uh, the writing campus, and uh-huh. you know, it was such a bummer and like a, a real, and and that's not me being oh my script didn't get made like uh, some of my friends had some really great scripts and some of the directing opportunities went to people who hadn't earned it or didn't deserve it but they were you know so that was that was pretty frustrating well yeah that's always that's always the danger of film schools right you you know you you may end up paying a lot of tuition money to work on other people's movies exactly and and that's that's kind of the way uh it felt um when when i graduated uh they kind of you know they don't really tell you that you just don't go and start directing you know you don't go and start doing your own thing Uh, they don't even like prep you for festivals or anything how to yeah like what what festivals you should submit to um what festivals are like um what to do when you're there we got none of that so were and, you able to create a project of your own, maybe using the gear or through the pro- the project? Or, or the uh, that's another thing is once we were done, we were done. Mm-hmm. Um, I know, I think Emily Carr has like an alumni program. Right. And I, or sorry, uh, Capilano has a, definitely has a alumni program where on weekends or during the summer, you can go back and actually utilize their facilities. Okay. Uh, which wow. is awesome. That's amazing. We never... We didn't get an opportunity um, yeah. for that when I was uh, a student, or sorry, when I just graduated. So, so what happened me, after school? Uh, I moved back home. I uh, I didn't want the um, debts of school lingering over me while I tried to, <laughs> you know, eventually become a director. Right. Um, a lot of my friends were, went right to work in the industry, and you know, I did it too for months, maybe maybe three months. And I just found like it wasn't paying my bills, it wasn't paying my rent, and it wasn't getting me out of debt. So I decided to move back home and I spent a year um, and I paid off my student loan and started to save money to move right back out here. You got some of the real money? Is that you're working? Yeah, I was. Yeah, I worked in a lab collecting and analyzing samples of oil. Oh, sweet. Actually, my my girlfriend had a similar job at at one point. so, so you, so you pay off your debt and then, and then you head back. Yeah. I moved back to Vancouver. So it was like a year, and maybe like six months, uh, out of my life to go do that. And I came back to Vancouver, like ready to go. Um, but it took, took a year maybe to actually do something to actually make something. Okay. So are you are just, what are you doing in the meantime? Like, how are you paying the bills while you're there? It's an expensive town. I understand. Yeah, Vancouver is ridiculous. Um, I have a Joe job. Um, when I first moved here, I worked at an optical lab, and I eventually became a supervisor. And then uh, I worked in the states for a little bit when the company expanded down there. Oh, cool! Um, and then I I went home to the Fort McMurray International Film Festival. And when I returned to Vancouver, I got laid off. Oh no! So last year I was unemployed the entire year, uh, but. I, I work in a warehouse now, and I I manage a warehouse. And do you ever like, so, do you ever jump onto shows there? Like I know Vancouver's got a lot of production happening. Do you or, or is that not for you? No, never. I've uh, I did it right out of school, um, doing like post work, uh, like transcribing and logging shows, and um, it just wasn't for me. And I I didn't want to put all of my efforts into and this is going to sound bad, but helping somebody else make their films. No, absolutely. That's fair. And, um, you know, especially something so low level, I guess, like I didn't want to, it, it didn't matter to me to be, uh, a PA on a TV show. Right. Then, you know, having, putting my own spare time to my own creativity. Totally. So when did you, is homesick your first short? It's actually not. Um, it it's I I call it my first because it's it's my first experience where I felt where it felt real. Um, my very first short film is hidden. It's in the depths of the internet, <laughs> lost forever. That's, um, that's, password protected on Vimeo. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, we and we we all have our, our first films that we don't necessarily call our first films. Um, exactly. 
and and we were just again I was, I was chatting with a filmmaker named Cameron McGowan on the podcast here and he's he's actually yeah, got no. it on his website oh you know yep he says he's got his first film on his website but it's like an easter egg you gotta kind of find it um, I'll say oh, that's smart. I think it's smart I like that <laughs> so um, but Homesick was the kind of what you would call your first film put it out there into some film festivals and it, it had some amazing success obviously with the Cannes Film Festival yes um, well you know the uh just to touch on my real first film, um, sure. that that was an experience where you know I, I worked with a lot of friends. Uh, you know, we had this moment. A friend of mine, her, her and I, just said, "Let's go make something." And we had a, a very small budget, and we went and made it. And you know, I learned in in you know we sent it to festivals, and it didn't do very well. And we got invited to, um, or I, I submitted to the Palm Springs um, International Short Film Festival, and. Okay. Didn't get in, but they sent an email, you know, a copy paste. Like, if even though you you weren't accepted, you should come by. And I, you know, I took that as an opportunity to, you know, what? Let me go experience this. Let me go see firsthand what is out there, what uh, these festivals are accepting, and maybe rub some elbows. And I tried to meet up with uh, a few Canadians uh, there, and I I just missed a few of them. Um, and then. Uh, when I was there, I sat in on a seminar and one guy, he just seemed to be frustrated by the whole conversation. And then he finally just blurted out, you know, make films that matter to you and surround yourself with like-minded people. And that was that to me, just like from that moment forward, uh, is like my day one of being a filmmaker. And I went back to my hotel. I wrote a 40 page script, like on the spot, Wow. Uh, of what would eventually become homesick okay. and um yeah i just i saved up and i saved up some money and i did a uh, indiegogo um okay. raised ten thousand dollars plus put uh, four thousand of my own dollars in and made that film um which was part of a uh the short film corner at can and oh, cool. you know uh Kyle kind of talked about really what that means. Yeah, (laughs) at the at the time you're super stoked about it, but then when you go, you realize what it is. And um, but you're there. So was was this the same like the telephone pavilion kind of thing? No, this wasn't even even with telephone. Oh, Uh, so while I was there, I actually uh, same same deal. I reached out to a bunch of Canadians, and that was that was when I first got uh, in touch with Kyle cam like i reached out to them and say oh you guys are from alberta too are you going and uh, i think they were there but we just never had an opportunity to meet up Mm. Uh, but i watched their films while i was there and um you know i tried to do that with as many people from vancouver and alberta that were going right and um, i ended up meeting uh, another filmmaker um who lives in vancouver but who's uh, from alberta originally and he ended up he and i ended up rooming together while we were there we traveled together we stayed together we did the whole festival together and he's uh he's become a really close collaborator collaborator of mine i've produced uh, two of his films now wow sweet uh yeah so uh did, did you so you did go to camp for- i did yeah i went to, awesome. yeah no again like you get that you see that and you think oh this is awesome and you you kind of go and Again, like my my, I've looked at these things uh, as an opportunity to reach out and ru- you know rub elbows with like-minded people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as I did with Palm Springs, I reached out to a few Albertans and a few Canadians, right. and you know nothing really came of it. But um, I did the same on this one, and I've uh, actually met a few really good people out of it. Nice. So it's you know it was a it was a good opportunity to like set ego aside and like just try to see where see what people are up to from your region mm-hmm, totally I, that to me is, was very important i'm just looking at, at homesick right now and i see that erica walter is in it um, yeah she has some alberta connection yeah yeah who I've, I've cast in a short myself so yeah um, so that's cool so so what happened after that uh so uh, while I was in Cannes uh, with my pal, he pitched me a script and he said, oh, I'm working on this thing right now. Um, would you be interested? And I took a look at it and I said, yeah, actually, this is pretty sweet. And uh, we traveled back home separately. Um, and 
maybe a week after he landed, he officially asked me on board to produce. And um, uh, the lead of Homesick was also directing a film, and she had asked me to produce as well. So I produced two films in back-to-back weekends. Oh, wow. Yeah, uh, pretty much right when I got back, and um, they've gone on to do gone to a few festivals themselves. Right. Um, the entertainment, uh, which was um, Adrian's short that I produced, okay. that one uh, actually was part of uh, Telefilms Not Short on Talent. Amazing. Uh, we didn't go though. Um, I regret not going, but we we didn't go. Right. No one from the production went. Oh. And then um, shortly after that, I. I, uh, I wanted to get back directing again, and I had an experience at uh, Thanksgiving at my aunt's house in Abbotsford, and I wrote about it, and I turned it into a film. Awesome. And is this and the, the feature? No, that's Wool. That's my uh, most oh, recent Oh, okay. Gotcha. Cool. And that wow. one for me is at the most success. That one uh, was also chosen uh, for Telefilms Not Short on Talent. Yeah. Um, I went uh, last year and awesome. was chosen to represent Western Canada, which was nice. Amazing. Yeah, and uh, got pimped out a little bit, <laughs> which is not me. Like I don't, right. I'm not that guy. But it was it was a good, you know, it was good introduction to that because mm-hmm. I know it was gonna, it's going to be coming for for uh, work on the feature. Right on, right on. So now I, I, I'm seeing on, on the list here, Greg. Is it how do you say Greg? What's the title of the feature? <laughs> Gregoire. Gregoire. Okay. Cool. And, and, and have you already shot that, or what, what status is that at? Yeah, we shot it in July in Fort McMurray. Sure, um, shot it here in Alberta. Yes. <laughs> um, while I was unemployed, I uh, I took that as like a sign, like I need to I need to do something with this time. Right. And you know, I always want, I've always, always, always wanted to make a film in Alberta. Um, you know, everything I do is kind of inspired by home. So this was an opportunity to take something that was written for home and shoot it in all the locations that it was that were written for it. Nice, that's great. Um, so you know, I got to film at my elementary school. I got to film at my high school. I got to film nice. inside my high school. I got to film at my favorite pizza spot. Right. Uh, got to shoot in the mall, like all the iconic spots and like all the important locations that meant something to me in my formative years. We got to use in uh this film right which is which you know makes it that much better a pretty personal film then oh totally i mean everything i do is uh follows that kind of recipe of being personal as as i said make or as uh, i learned in palm springs make something that matters to you Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so what is gregoire about uh it's about four young adults kind of coming to a a crossroads in their life of having to decide what they want in their future and how to get it. Um, of all the films that I've made so far, excluding my very, very, very first one, fall on like a linear timeline. Mm-hmm. So, Homesick will lead into Gregoire. Uh, Gregoire oh. will lead to another feature film, and then that feature film will lead into Wool. Oh, and that's sweet. kind of the that's the story. So, Wool is the ending of the entire yeah. story. Um, and homesick is the start of it. And um, what was the budget like for Great War? Oh Lord, um, <laughs> we, I did a I did a Indiegogo. I went back to that well to try and see if I could raise some funds. Yeah. Um, I didn't raise very much. I think I raised less than my original short film. Okay. <clears throat> Excuse me. And um, so our total budget was forty thousand dollars. Uh, to shoot a feature film in 15 days. Yeah. Um, travel and hotel expenses alone cost $15,000, which was more <laughs> than we raised at the time. Right. Uh, so at a point, like, I kind of, I was like, you know, I'm making this film regardless. Like, money's money has never stopped me from doing something, mm-hmm. and um, which is a really awful attitude to have because <laughs> I'm paying for it now. That's good dearly. to get into debt for sure. Oh, you have no idea. Uh, but at the end of the day, like I mean, I've got, I've got, uh, got a few films under my belt, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't have if I didn't have the money, and I was like responsible. That's it. You gotta do what you gotta do. Absolutely. And um, that summer, I, I uh, 
went really heavy into pre-production and, you know, produced from afar and had the uh, helping hand of Tito as well uh, to do a few things for me. And uh, when we got into Fort McMurray, we lost a location. Um, so I had three days to find a location that would require our very first two days of shooting. <laughs> uh, and we found it uh, at 11 p.m. the night before filming. Oh, wow. Yeah, so... We, it wasn't. It wasn't easy. Absolutely, it was not easy. The, the, the loss of the location it seems to be kind of a rite of passage for for most small feature films. That that that's just one of those things that seems to happen every time. Oh, absolutely! Like we, you know, you know, it's real when you lose the location. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you have to have to struggle to find it. Yeah. So. We took, uh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. So. So, what made you shoot it? I mean, obviously it's a personal film go to your hometown and i get that um but i'm just trying to throw some th- some attention to the alberta decision was it was that did you access any tax credits or anything or was that a part of it or was it just you know you knew that you wanted to shoot it there and it was the locations you needed uh no i i mean i don't i don't pursue grants i don't pursue uh, tax credits i don't pursue any kind of uh, support through any institution I guess um, I've I've always kind of just done things my own way and on my own right. and it's uh, I mean I know if I would have made this film in Vancouver it would have cost triple the amount right right uh, given the way that it doesn't matter if you're uh, Michael Bay or Cody Bound you know the rules are the rules for filmmakers Um it seems here, so I know, uh, I know that I would have had a much harder time filming here. Besides, I think the authenticity as well really comes through in the locations and and mm-hmm. in the performances as well. We, when we we're in our in the high school, I got to walk around and just tell stories uh, right. to my actors and crew about right. why we're here, what this means to the story. For sure, and yeah, I, I feel like you really see it. So. Nice. There's no place. There's no place like home, and there's no place like Alberta. You can't replicate it anywhere else. Totally. So what? Uh, what's on the agenda now? What's next? Um, well, unfortunately, we shot. Um, we needed a lot of night shoots in Fort McMurray, um, and we shot in the summer where way up north you only get about three hours of darkness. Wow, yes. So we had to cut some stuff for weather, or sorry, for the. Um, for darkness, but we um, we were able to cut things that could be picked up here in Vancouver. Okay. Uh, so we're in April. Uh, we have three pickup dates oh, nice. uh, to shoot about a dozen scenes. That's great. Which, yeah. So that that's the final touches of of um, of Gregoire. Uh, it started. Uh, we started editing it finally on uh, the weekend that just passed. Uh, we had some issues with transcoding and sync, and it's honestly still not even done. But uh, it's a slow process when you have no budget. For sure, yeah. So, any any other features or, or ideas up on the uh, on the horizon, or, or what? Yeah, as I said, um, I have a uh, this story. The storyline is takes place over four films. Oh, right. Um, yeah. So you've still got to kind of put the finishing touches on this multi um not multimedia but multi-piece uh <laughs> story are you using some of the same actors or how does, how does this work yeah so okay. that's uh so one of the the main characters in um homesick uh is in gregoire okay he's he's only in it for four seconds but okay. we flew him in we flew him in from ottawa nice. just to have it wow. and for that and he actually wore the exact same thing that he wore in homesick so oh, i was okay. really thankful he still had the stuff that's awesome and then uh one character from uh gregoire will lead into this new film and then one character from this film uh leads into wool so it's okay, all cool. It's not all necessarily directly connected, yeah. but it's just kind of um, just these the story of um, how these paths cross and right. you know, how you follow somebody else's life through a chance meeting or anything like that. Yeah. So I've got the I've got uh, I've started to write an outline and uh, prep for writing this feature. I kind of want to have it done for when this when Gregoire is finished, so that I have something so I could say. 
this is what's next this is the last like this is the the final chapter and i need to go need to go make it right and uh, um, i'll probably shoot part of it in alberta as well awesome. as the story awesome. as the story uh, calls for it nice so I, I mean i'm very interested in like how is it just credit cards like obviously financing is a big question we all we all have and uh, grants are always kind of like the go-to and, and, and admittedly that it sucks to kind of be uh, beholden or, or, or at the mercy of the deadlines and, and random juries and, and whatnot. Um, but usually it's the only option for most people. So what, how, how are you kind of getting around this? Is it, is it just saving up or is it credit cards or what's the deal? Uh, you're, you're absolutely right. Like it's like, I'm not a great grant writer. Like I've looked at some and I've been overwhelmed before uh, that I don't even want to waste my time right. trying to write it, articulate something because I'm a pretty straightforward dude. Mm-hmm. Um, earlier when you asked me the synopsis, I, I can't oversell it. I'm just going to give you the bare bones. Right, right. You know, like I I prefer things speak for themselves versus me trying to hype you on it. And mm-hmm. you know, I I don't even believe that great grant writers translate into good filmmakers uh and good films and maybe that's my beef with a lot of it but um like i would kill to know a few of these guys who can write good grants you know get on their good sides to Mm -hmm. help me out a bit but um for the most part like i've like i said my very my very first film was all out of pocket um homesick was an indiegogo plus um i saved all my basically i put all my life savings into every film I make, right. however much that is at the time, right. differs. Uh, Wool's budget was twenty thousand dollars. Oh wow! Um, and I had to take a loan from the bank on that one. Right. Um, and uh, that's 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 been the hardest one yet because when you're dealing with the bank, you know they they don't have to care right about your situation. <laughs> and then being unemployed for an entire year really really. Uh, made this all um, much, much, much tougher yeah, to ch- survive and then pay back these debts. Of course. Um, but yeah, when I when I worked in Alberta, I got a I got a credit card as an eighteen year old with a ridiculous limit. So I've just <laughs> been it's it's like insane. Yeah. And, uh, like you know, in retrospect, I should have never ever 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 accepted it um and if that could be the one thing you learn is is get a credit card with a reasonable limit i agree on this conversation um but you know that's maxed out and is has been maxed out for a long time Mm -hmm. i i barely chip away at it um so and you know my parents have been very supportive as well they've helped me out uh and they understand what i'm trying to do and they really they've been like my biggest fans and not because they have to be but because they believe in what i'm trying to do and stuff like that so nice uh you know i've I've had i have these avenues and a few of my friends as well have been really big supporters of mine uh financially for films wow Uh, i've got a pal who's donated uh to every one of my films and even films that i produce uh because he, he also is is a big fan and um, is really intrigued by the industry and that's amazing. You know, filmmaking in general. Yeah, and like I, you know, it's like I, my gratitude just cannot be expressed enough for all these people right. who see something in what I'm trying to do. That's awesome. Yeah, so I'm thankful. So what what do you like on set? Like as a director, what's your what's your style like, and what what kind of tips have you learned that the audience might be able to learn from um you know uh, again i won't give my school any credit for like what shaped me um i actually learned what i wanted to be in a director by watching my friends direct okay uh, right after school a few of my friends and even during in school a few of my friends and uh, classmates and just people that i've like i worked with um they've all jumped onto set and they had all these ideas of what they wanted to be as a director and it really didn't align with me um i think there needs to be a um there needs to be honesty and communication between yourself and your creative team um i've always maintained that um after seeing and learning that you know 
keeping your creative team tight helps create a really good product. For sure. Um, for sure. And, you know, it, you know, film is the ultimate collaboration. And a lot of people forget that. Um, they think it's, oh, this is me. This is my thing. And, you know, I've always treated it as this is our thing. You know, I don't expect everybody to be as invested as I am because mm -hmm. this is a personal story or this is a tale of, you know, something that happened when I was younger or whatever. But, you know, I hope that you see what I'm, how much this means to me. And I hope you can at least get behind that. Right. And, you know, I've, I've been able to find like excellent crews who buy in. So like I said, I'm not, a, I'm not a salesman. I'm not a, I'm not a raw, raw kind of guy. But on set, I feel like um, I feel like I can get people to buy in the right way by telling anecdotes of why this why this is important and why this is important to me and why having them on board is important as well. So, how, like the biggest challenge that I think I face is is trying to to communicate that vision and. and and you kind of touched on it, but, but what do you, what do you do? What do you, what, what, what's your way of, how do you get that buy-in? You, so you say you get crew to buy-in, that's, that's an amazing thing, really. Um, how do you make that happen? On, uh, when I shot Homesick, um, my first AC pulled me aside mid midday and he's like, I really like the way that you're, you know, your presence on set. And I really like the way you're doing things here. And I just thought that was like the nicest thing. And, you know, fast forward, he's been my DP for every project. Oh, wow. um, so he and I, we meet early on and I've, I've tried to include all my creatives really early on, like in outline phase, right. um, you know, so this next feature that I'm writing is maybe a year away, but I'm already talking to everybody I need to talk to about this idea that I have and getting everybody uh, invested. And um, as I said, film's the ultimate collaboration. And if you, if you shut down people's ideas early or um, well, period, um, they're not going to feel as involved. So I've always kept like an open line of communication and I like my DP to bring, you know, a certain element that I can't, I like my uh, production designer to do the same and mm -hmm. my editor and everybody that, Everybody that's in these positions can do things that I cannot. So I've always, I've always tried to um, I've always tried to I guess reaffirm the importance of my team to them and early on. Right. And it, it at a point it doesn't I, it doesn't feel like, and I, I feel like for them, it doesn't feel like they're hired guns. It feels like we're, we're a team. We're doing this together. Right. And it's something we're creating as a group versus I'm here to just help this guy shoot his thing. Hmm. And I care nothing about it. Right. So I, I just try to involve uh, my team early, um, communicate, open, keep the lines of dialogue open, uh, always listening to ideas. If somebody has uh, something they want to say or add to it, because you never know what what kind of uh, creative note can be given that can enhance your story. So totally. So what, what do you, what would you, what advice would you give to someone who's kind of interested in making their first feature film? That's a big step for a lot of filmmakers and, and a big goal. Um, how did, how do you get there? That's a very good question. Um, it's not as easy as if it feels good, do it. Um, it's not, it's not harder than making, well, it is, it's, it's not, it's not the most, it's not the hardest task in the world. So it shouldn't be, you know, scary. Mm -hmm. I think if you, if you prep well, um, and have, it's all about prep. If you prep well, you can do it. Right. If you believe in it enough, you can do it. Um, I wouldn't say rush into it at all. Like know that this is what you need to do. Um, I know a few people that, you know, they haven't made shorts and are talking about making features and right. it's silly. Cause like you gotta, you gotta fail. You gotta learn, you gotta experience because a feature film is not, especially if you put any kind of money into it, like that's, 
that's not the thing you want a resume piece or sorry to be buried in you know buried on the internet or you know hidden in on vimeo like right. this is the time to to shine so mm-hmm. um you know it's it's just be smart about it uh do your homework make sure it's the right thing that in your career that this is what needs to happen next and if you have a story that's worth telling um and believe in it 100 percent and and move forward nice what about what about the writing perspective where did that uh have you always been a writer or how did that kind of come about <clears throat> excuse me um when i was in high school i used to make a bunch of websites that i would write bullshit on and okay. um, nothing that was ever anything um and for fun i used to like write fake excerpts from movies um which I lo- i've looked back on recently and just i've cringed at how bad they are <laughs> uh-huh. um in school i honestly didn't think that was something i wanted to pursue i actually wanted to be more uh director dp mm-hmm. and uh school basically told me because I'm colorblind not to even bother writing the test wow um which yeah which I regret and I wish like I had more technical skill that way but um in school like you know the things I was writing were you know not I wouldn't say good but like I I really hated having to adhere to like a three-act structure where this has to happen and then this has to happen and this has to happen I've always looked at my writing as like um like hitting hitting a key on a keyboard and holding it you get that first uh, note and then you hear it linger and then you hit it again and then so and you just do that a few times right so i've i've kind of strayed away from like the quote unquote rules of writing um and i've appreciated it more and more when i realize that i can i can tell a story my way and I don't, ha- I don't have to care about the rules. Right. I don't have to care about necessarily following the way, you know. It, um, but it's something that I, I, I started to really take on uh, once I graduated. Um, some, some of the things my friends were writing, I wasn't interested in directing. Um, some scripts that I um, had read, I didn't find interesting. Um, I'd entered a few script competitions you know the ones where they give you like a location a genre and an item and you have to incorporate all three within five pages or something sure uh those were fun and i I really enjoyed doing those um as a challenge but you know i I was given sci-fi and i was like i don't know a thing about writing Mm sci-fi and i just that's kind of where i knew like i knew i know where what kind of stories i want to tell right and i know that i want to i want to pen them um and not have somebody else do it who might not have had these experiences. So that's where writing came from for me as right. once I graduated, just trying to st- and, and living in Alberta. Um, I was away from Vancouver. I was away from the industry. I was away from all my classmates who are graduating and, you know, working on in the industry. And, um, when I was working, uh, collecting oil, you know, in, on night shifts, I would, I would write, write ideas, write scripts, um, just to try to stay fresh and not distance myself from the industry and right. ultimately my goal. So um, I feel like the quality of my writing got a little bit better because I was doing it so much. Um, even if it was just throwaway stuff or log lines or, you know, little ideas here and there, even dialogue, I was just constantly writing when I wasn't working. Um, and that, that certainly helped me... Uh, come back to Vancouver with I guess a little bit of wind underneath my wings if you will gotcha yeah and it's as simple as these you know you're telling obviously very personal stories you know, nobody else can write that it's got to be you so that absolutely makes sense. and and those are the easiest stories to tell um, is is things that matter to you mm-hmm. like and, and you can care about a lot of things you can have um you can, like it, it doesn't have to be all personal tales. Like I, you know, I've I've written a script that isn't about personal experience, and some friends of mine have said it's the best thing I've ever written. Uh, and but like I'm not in. I don't want to tell that story yet. Mm-hmm. You know, and I don't want it to go through. Like this is the story I'm telling right now, and right. it's taken me six years to tell it, and then some. But this is this is the story that I'm invested in telling right now. Mm-hmm. So. 
So where can people see some of your work? Um, I'm around. I'm places. Uh, I have a few websites. Um, CodyBound.com. I kind of links around to a few of those websites. Um, B-O-W-N. Right. B-O-W-N. Um, rhymes with down, clown, frown, all that <laughs> stuff. Gotcha. People give me bone all the time right. when they see O-W-N. But um, anyways, uh, going to that website will lead you to like an old production company website and um, that will lead you to some of my work and to my Vimeo, which has some films on it, plus some that I've produced and so on and so forth. Nice. So uh, most of them are up there and you can watch there. Yeah, everything's up there. Uh, you know, we... We've every film that I've worked on minus one is available online oh. uh, in a director producer capacity, gotcha. uh, and that one's doing its festival circuit right now. Nice. Uh, and what's the outlook for Greg Greg Walk? Um, I'm hoping to get push it for TIFF. Um, TIFF submission or submissions is right around the corner. So right. again, working with no budget, working. Um, and having no money for posts is going to make it very, very, very tough. Uh, we might submit something by the skin of our teeth, but um, honestly, if it's not ready, uh, we'll wait until next year. But uh, TIFF is kind of the, the main goal for me this year. You know, I've done CAN uh, three years in a row, uh, twice mm-hmm. with Telephone. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of like, I've done that. I'd like right. to I'd like to hit more domestically. Sure. Um, I just got an experience with Air Canada uh, having my shorts on the on yeah. the flights, um, which was pretty cool. And um, obviously screening in Fort McMurray, um, having a film screen in Whistler. Uh, I'd like to be more domestic now. Mm. Um, I am a Canadian filmmaker. I want to be seen here. Uh, so I'm. That's that's kind of uh, the trajectory and the target of of Greg Wires to do well domestically because. I just, I just want, uh, want to shine a light on my hometown a bit. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, thank you so much, Cody, for being on the show. And uh, and what about Twitter? Can people find you on Twitter? I, I love Twitter, so I try to. <laughs> uh, I'm on Twitter under a bunch of different monikers, um, <laughs> uh, but least van l-e-a-s-t-v-a-n is my personal one uh you'll see me rant about sports mostly mostly the comics but from from there i do tweet uh, some movie stuff under i do retweet some movie stuff under some of my other monikers cool all right well uh we will uh have this out as soon as we can and we'll uh, talk to you again soon thanks for being on the show my pleasure, man. Thanks for having me. You bet. All right. Thank you, Cody. Uh, and thank you, Matt, for running that conversation while I was indisposed. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, that was an interesting one for sure. Um, and, I, you know, I know that he, he's not a fan of, of film schools, and, and I'm glad we got that perspective of it. Um, that's not to say that people don't have a good time at film schools as well, um, but obviously not for him. And, I mean, that's just it. You're always going to hear different opinions about every facet of this industry. Mm-hmm. Um which is fine. That's the world we live in nowadays. Um, and so I think the trick is to just inform yourself uh, as much as you can to make the decision that's right for you. Absolutely. Um, which is why this podcast is so great. Indeed. Because <laughs> you can sure. inform yourself Indeed. with things like the news you can use. Right. Uh, just don't forget to, to donate to, uh, to those uh, to, fires. Uh, well, don't donate to the fires. Yeah, don't, they're, they're they, winning. They, they're already winning. They've got all they need. <laughs> Thanks, man. Um, uh, but yes, agreed. So, so tell me about Startoon. Yeah, this is something that was uh, announced pretty recently that uh, I'm super excited about, um, even though I'm not at all an animator and will not mm-hmm. be participating in this at all. So if you're an animator, pay attention because there's something called Startoon that the Shaw Rocket Fund um, has just announced that they're, they're teaming up with a digital incubator called Wild Seas Studios uh, from the UK. And they're launching something called Startoon Canada. Um, so the idea of this... Um, they're calling it an audition is to develop um, a character, an animated character for six to 11 year old kid audiences. Um, And so they're calling it a talent show uh, that consists of open auditions and elimination rounds. But the twist is that all of the contestants of the show are animated. So Canadian animators um, can participate online uh, and will be judged by a panel of experts. And I think there's uh, some audience voting. 
as well. So any animator in the country, you don't have to be professional, um, but you can be, of course, as well, can submit a character to the open audition call until July 7th uh, of this year. Uh, the judges will select the top 30 who will move on to the challenge stage. Um, and there, from there, there's four what they're calling knockout rounds. You'll have three weeks to complete each challenge with their character and the public will vote on the favorite. And then in October, the winning character will be announced uh, and the creator will be given a budget of up to $25,000 to produce a short or a pilot to showcase the character. I dig so, this. I, I dig it too. Even if um, even if you're not good, but you want to be animating, do it anyway because it forces you to kind of meet a deadline. It's true. Right? It's true. And there's so many tools um, for animators these days that uh, you can really create some awesome awesome stuff just on a laptop. So if you want to know more about this, uh, check out startoon.ca. Awesome. Cool. Uh, and speaking of deadlines, uh, the annual TELUS Optic Local deadline is June 30th. Uh, so if you haven't heard of TELUS Optic Local, uh, it is a program for... Uh, creating workshops, but also creating content uh, for TELUS, uh, well, for content creators here in Alberta and in BC. And uh, it's a huge opportunity. Obviously, StoryHive is one of their programs, but this is another one, um, and it's a lot of money. Uh, so it's definitely worth uh, taking a look at and putting together a plan to create your own little workshop or, or educational opportunity for people or uh, your own um you know, documentary or, or I, I believe even narrative film. Yep. Um, so you, uh, if you're thinking of doing this, your project should reflect the local community uh, and have a diverse uh, group of voices and balanced viewpoints uh, on existing or emerging issues of importance in the community. It's got to feature local places. That's that's a very important yeah. thing um, because I guess this is only going to be in BC and, and, and Alberta. Um, so you're going to be wanting to focus on those areas uh, and demonstrate commitment from community members and organizations and engage volunteers and provide training opportunities, obviously, when it comes to the workshops. Uh, so um, our, a friend of the show, uh, our first guest ever, uh, Spencer Esterbrooks did his documentary series Alberta uh, through this fund, so you should check it out. Check out that documentary and uh, check out the show notes for more information on Telus Optic Local. Yeah, it's. I mean, anyone who's at the Ampias saw how much of an impact Story Hive is having. Indeed, yeah. Um, and just Telus's kind of contribution there, because um, huge. There's some. There's tons of award-winning work being made mm-hmm. um, with just a little bit of money. So this one is even uh, a bigger fund that you can tap into. So definitely uh, worth checking out. So upcoming events, this is the big one. The Banff World Media Festival is coming up uh, June 10th to 12th. Yes. It's going to be huge. June 12th to 15th. Um, so 15th, it, okay. let's pretend that I have no idea what the hell I'm, I'm talking about, mm. uh, which is normal. But let's pretend that I don't know what the Banff World Media Festival is. <laughs> what is it, Matt? So the Banff World Media Festival is... Um, kind of like a, a summit of broadcasters, distributors, um, filmmakers, and content creators from all over the world, really. Um, last year when we were there, there was there was a lot of um, Chinese representation, a lot Sorry. of broadcasters, yep. and um, there was kind of a focus on that um, and, and, you know, agreements between Canada and, and, and the Chinese when it comes to co-productions and things like that. Uh, and it's also a, an amazing place to network, um, even if you're just thinking uh, within Canada for your next project. Um, this is really the only opportunity that you have where... Uh, Toronto is coming to Alberta. So a, right. a lot of decision makers, a lot of key uh, players in, you know, p- places like Bell, um, the, you know, the movie channel, uh, Super Channel, um, and distributors like Raven Banner and, and uh, uh, just some key people that you have to have on board if you're, if you're looking to make a, a movie or a, or a TV show north of, you know, 75k if we're talking about yeah. <laughs> telesoptic uh so um it is I mean, I mean we all know that it's a challenge being in alberta you know competing on a national stage as little indie producers mm-hmm. um and having a network is so important um and you kind of have to go you got to fly to vancouver and or toronto to meet these people mm-hmm. so we're talking about a thousand dollars in plane tickets just there um and it's about that much to attend bamp but you got four days with all these people uh, and they come to us right so yeah, definitely um, 
a massive opportunity and uh and something every year we, we like it is expensive for for kind of fledgling filmmakers mm-hmm. i don't but, know if this is new though but they are doing a, a single day ticket now is that new? no that's not new that's no, not new okay but it might be worth it for so sure yeah if, if you yeah. maybe just make a day trip out of it yeah. because uh hbo executives are there nbc yeah. universal um and, and, and even the panels Netflix. themselves are, are awesome. yeah absolutely yeah. for sure yeah um and every year we always leave there saying uh, Thank God we went. Like mm. there's no, there's no option for, for us, sure. basically, um, if you can afford it. So if you, uh, the regular price is seventeen hundred dollars for a four day ticket, uh, but Ampia has a discount uh, where it's about twelve hundred bucks. Um, and you can find out. Uh, I think you can find out more details on their website about how to get, mm-hmm. tap mm-hmm. into that discount if you're a member. Yeah, you got to be a member. So uh, if you are coming, hook, uh, hit us up, and we will uh, we will see you there. Um, and if you are hoping to be on the podcast, we'll be there recording some podcast episodes as well. Um, so we hope to see everyone there. BanffMediaFestival.com. Awesome. Uh, want to tell you about this uh, documentary that uh, I don't know if we've talked about very much on the podcast, no, but we, we should because yeah. it's it's a wonderful. I, I shouldn't. I'm lying if, to say it's wonderful. I have not yet seen it, but it looks like an amazing documentary that has had a ton of praise um, from from you know not just our community, but you know the the native community and 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 many just outside folks who seem to really like the documentary. So it's called Elder in the Making, and it's from Chris Hsing Hsing. I don't know how to Shung? say that. I don't, yeah, I don't know yeah. how to say that. Like. Sorry, Chris. Um, but uh, Chris and I had a long chat uh, about it um, a couple years ago, at least a year ago at March Madness. And um, yeah, I, I'm just really proud of it as a, as a real diamond uh, from our uh, our community that uh, is getting a lot of great attention. So go to elderinthemaking.com and find yourself a screening to attend. And uh, and like me, uh, let's support this uh, this film. Yeah, I remember. I remember chatting with Chris um, at the CSAF. Uh, I think it was like yeah, a year or maybe two years ago, and he was like, he was in the Glenbow archives trying to find right. all this archival yeah. uh, native footage, and uh, he was just kind of tearing his hair out, but also really excited at the yeah, same time because yeah. he worked hard on. He it. really believed in what he was doing, and he spent yeah, he spent a ton of time working on this documentary, and mm-hmm. he just won uh, the Ampia for best doc under yeah. thirty minutes. So congrats to Chris, awesome. and uh, yeah, definitely check that out for more info. for sure. Um, workshops and classes coming up. Uh, the Calgary Society of Independent Filmmakers is having a hand-processing black-and-white reversal film workshop. So it's an introductory uh, to do-it-yourself methods for hand-processing your own black-and-white reversal film. If you don't know um, what any of those words mean, then you definitely should take this workshop. Um, the instructor is Kyle Whitehead, who I don't I don't know many people who know more about film than he. Um, it's June 12th uh, from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. Um, and it's 100 to 150 bucks, depending on if you're a member or not. So check out uh, csaf.org uh, to, and check out the workshop schedule for more about that. Okay, so Fava on Sunday, June 26th from 1 p.m. to 5 p.m. is having uh, the Fava free-for-all workshop on lighting. Uh, And I'm deeply ashamed to say that I never got the connection that it's free-for-all, but it's also free for all people who attend as long as you're a Fava member. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) So it's free to attend. Uh, and you're going to get hands-on with uh, all of the lighting, grip, electric, uh, multi-tool stuff that you will need to know and understand if you're going to be lighting scenes uh, for uh, documentaries or narrative films. Um, and it, it's probably a really good idea if you haven't if you haven't really been hands-on with a light before. It, I mean, can you imagine a better place to do it rather than like getting hired on set and yeah. having to figure out and you're on stressed out yeah. this is an opportunity for you to just uh give it a shot no no uh no wrong answers just uh just learn how it works and uh you can find out more information uh in the show notes but again that's june 26th and and all it costs is no money that's right yeah, yeah, free for just all. go go to that go do that um, CSAF is having their summer media arts camp. Uh, it's a two week camp that introduces youth from the ages of 13 to 17 to filmmaking practices. You took this, Matt. Didn't I you? did. Yeah. Years ago. Yeah. You loved it, right? You, it was you amazing. Yeah. So, um, it's basically a two week workshop where you collaboratively direct, shoot and edit a film, um, hands on. And, uh, it's, it's a great introduction to, um, uh, what we do in our industry. And, um, so if you know a, a budding filmmaker or someone who's thinking that, uh, they might want to get into this when they grow up, definitely recommend this to them. It's from July 11th to the 22nd and it runs Mondays to Fridays from 9.30 a.m. to 4.30 p.m., uh, $550, csaf.org for more information. And M Media is having uh, what they're calling a do-it-yourself Jawa, a.k.a. Video Vulture Culture, a workshop with Tasman Richardson. Ooh. That's a heavy-duty title. I'm intrigued. Uh, and I guess th- this is an opportunity for filmmakers to uh, who are interested in trying to recreate the, f- the look of film with video and, um, so 
you're going to need to bring your laptop, uh, any timeline video editing software that you have, and you're going to observe, practice, and understand the Jawa method as founded in 1996 by Tasman Richardson, taught, uh, taught by the man himself who invented the, the process. Cool. Uh, it's happening Friday, June 24th from uh, from 1 to 5 uh, in the uh, M Media Screening Room, which is a great space, as you may know. And uh, am I missing anything? No, no I don't think I so. I guess more information in the show notes. Yeah, that's right. Um, and it's free. Oh, sweet. Right. I did miss that. But there's yes. limited seats. Yes. Um, Fab is having something really cool coming up on June 15th. Uh, it's their Super 8 Challenge. Um, and it's about 65 bucks for non-members. It's 75 bucks. Um, and included in the cost of registration, you get a three-hour workshop on June 15th um, on shooting Super 8 film. And you get one roll of Super 8 film. Yes, only one roll. <laughs> That's the challenge. Um, and then you get a weekend rental of a Super 8 camera. Fava will pay for shipping to the lab, film development, and transfer to a DVD. Um, and then I think it's, yeah, so you get it on the on the Friday, the June 15th. And then your film is due July 18th. So you've got one, you got about a month with a roll of film to shoot something. Um, and then everybody kind of gets together and they screen them all at the same time. So you've, you'll see it for the first time alongside everyone else um, at Fava's Summer Barbecue. So... It's really cool, uh, a fun uh, workshop, and definitely something that we recommend if uh, if you haven't tried working with film or uh, if you want to kind of practice that again. Faba.ca for more information. Yeah, uh, what's shooting in Alberta right now? Uh, we've got Heartland, of course, and, and uh, we mentioned it earlier in the show, Tin Star. Um, and I didn't know very much about Tin Star, so I looked it up, um, and I've discovered that it stars Tim Roth Ooh. and... Um, I'm forgetting your name. Christina Hendricks yes. uh, from Mad Band. So that's pretty cool. Um, and uh, we'll, you know, we'll try to learn more about that and bring you some more information on Tinstar as it moves along. Totally. Um, job calls. We'll keep it brief because um, you can find the links to the show notes. But the Calgary Stampede is looking for a video technician. And uh, CTV Calgary is looking for a part-time ENG editor. Right. So, uh, yes. yeah, check out the show notes um, for more information. There. Yeah, there's tons of information yeah. there. Um, and the the CTV one is a is a temporary contract. So I'm not sure if it might be viable for a student. It says post secondary education in broadcasting or related field. So if you're recently graduated, it might be a look. Yeah, it might be something to look for. Yeah. Uh, and UTV is also looking for a new executive director. Mm -hmm. um, you'll be responsible for managing the overall operation development and administration of NUTV or new TV working with the board of directors, staff engagement committee and volunteers. You're responsible for ensuring that the station runs smoothly and efficiently adheres to regulations and meets the programming standards and objectives. So this is um, probably good for someone with a few years of experience in the industry um, or a combination of education and experience. Um, it is a rare opportunity. I know that Taylor Ross has been the champion of that mm -hmm. role for, for years. Mm -hmm. um, and the application deadline is uh, in about a week. So June 7th uh, at midnight. Um, and you're going to want to listen to that episode. Yeah, uh, that's probably a good idea. Taylor to get an idea of what new TV is all about and yeah. what the job might be like. So check out nutv.ca for more information. Nice. So let's get into the recommendations quickly here, Matt. Yes. Um, it's May. It's May. And, and if I am a recent graduate... We we are receiving a lot of resumes. We are in, so, yeah. so in our inbox right now. If I'm a recent graduate from a post secondary institution such as Nate or State or Red Deer College or uh, Mount Royal University, right. uh, yeah, I'm uh, I'm shitting my pants mm -hmm. probably because now it's I, been a month. I have real life to deal That's with. That's right. <laughs> I, have, I have maybe some debt. Um, mm -hmm. I might have rent to pay, but regardless, um, I need to now grow up and, uh, be an adult in this industry, um, which is terrifying. Mm -hmm. So I remember being in that position and, uh, not knowing what the hell to do. Um, so let's, let's bring ourselves back. Let's travel back in time to when we were recent grads. And, and if you could give yourself some advice at that time, what would that recommendation be? Um, I think I would have said, uh, well, I not not to blow smoke up my own ass here, but uh, I think you you just if this is the industry you want to be in, you need to have another source of income at the beginning of your career. You just do. We're we're not we're not a busy enough world, um, un unless you unless you can find a full time job. Um, but even even I didn't have. I I like to say I I went and worked at seven twenty four right out of school, but there was a time period there where I did not. I was working at a hotel, and uh, right. I think. That was all I had at the time, and so yeah, I was I was I was 
beefing up my resume and handing it out. And, and of course the 724 possibility was, was around, but it wasn't locked in. Um, so yeah, there were, there was a good two or three months where I, I was just working at a hotel and that's okay. I, I mean, there are a lot of filmmakers I know who are, who are, are servers or bartenders and make amazing films on in their off time. So, um, if that's, if that's, uh, not something you're comfortable with, you just want to jump right into the industry, then maybe getting right into a, the union or, or, uh, um, a full-time position maybe at a film festival or, or something like that is more your style, though those opportunities are a little limited right now. They are limited, and, and it is a slow time um, yeah. at this at this moment, though I, I'm, I'm hopeful that it's going to pick up. Um, but yeah, I agree. I think it's okay to be scared, um, and, and the safety net has been pulled out from under you, and uh, I think mm-hmm. everyone understands that. Um, so my recommendation... Um, I, I agree with Matt's and actually I, w- I would like to steal that, but I will not, <laughs> um, is to not be afraid to maybe try your hand at something that, um, that you didn't get to do at SAIT, maybe on a, on another, uh, little indie shoot, uh, whether you're getting paid or not, it might be time to, to cut your teeth doing that, um, and gather your friends who are also, uh, without a job and scared and make something mm-hmm. yourselves while you've got some time to do it. Um, if you can get your hands on some gear or just use your iPhone, um, but my, my official recommendation is going to be to reach out to people who are working in the industry um, and take them out for a coffee. Totally. And it's it, it, don't pitch yourself as I, I'm looking. Well, I mean, you can say you're looking for a job. That's fine. But don't don't ask them for a job. Take them out um, for some advice on what they would have what they did at this time in their lives. Um, There's literally nobody in this industry who would be like, no, I'm not doing that. I'm above that. I'm too good for you. <laughs> yeah. Everyone is so, so willing to help. And we're totally. two of them. And we actually just sat down with two recent grads last week because mm-hmm. um, they're starting a business and we were kind of giving them some advice on that. So um, you're not alone, even though you might feel like you are mm-hmm. um, and continue listening to the podcast. And if there's anyone on here that, uh, that you liked and want to know more about, you can probably find them on social media. Mm-hmm. Um, so just uh, have a little faith um, in, in the curtain that feels like this big black dark hole yeah. um, and just kind of reach in and see uh, you might be surprised at what you get out of it. We talk about this every once in a while too is Working in another industry uh, has been really good for both of us. Hugely good it, for both of us. It, it ended up giving us connections and experience that came into huge play for us as totally. producers. And, and, and you're just more rounded as an individual too, yeah. right? Having that experience um, that's not strictly in the film industry. So totally. I don't think it's anything to be ashamed of or afraid of mm-hmm. um, is getting a day job right away because it sets you up financially to be able to take risks later. Yeah, agreed. I yeah. hope that I hope that gives people some comfort because I know I was pretty I was, scared, I was scared at that point sure. too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, well, that's it. That's all. Um, if uh, you enjoyed this episode, please do rate us five stars on iTunes. It really does help uh, spread the word and get this podcast out to uh, to people who might need it. Mm-hmm. Um, thanks again to Briar for putting all the news together for us. Yes. Couldn't do it without you. For sure. And email us at hello at abfilmcast.ca if you have any questions or maybe you'd like to be on the show or have an idea for a topic we should cover. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. All right. So in the meantime, go, go make, make something. something.